0: to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris?
1: I'm doing great, Jody. How are you?
0: I am staring out at lovely red rock mesas and green pastures as we record this. So it's actually quite astounding that I am out in the middle of nowhere doing this with you.
1: I saw the view that you're dealing with there, and yes, it is absolutely stunning. But are you saying that you've put yourself out to pasture? I have. Is that I'm, what I'm done? out
0: to pasture. I am now over the hill and done.
1: <laughs> well, it's been nice knowing you, buddy. That's it's been true. nice knowing you. What are we talking <laughs> yeah. about today? Well, we got another listener, not so much a request, but a comment, and we both thought that it's something that is definitely worth drilling down on. Okay. Okay. The whole overarching theme today will be to try to bust some myths.
0: About recording in general.
1: Right. Yes, we're not going physics and things like the actual show Mythbusters, (laughs) but we are going to bust some myths here. And the reason we're doing this is, in my view, and I think I'm sharing that with you as well, is that for people that are just starting getting into the journey of recording and mixing and things – That there's a lot of misinformation out there that can not only waste your time, but end up costing you a lot of money that it doesn't need to be.
0: I wouldn't disagree with that.
1: That's what we're going to try to do today and hopefully be some sort of inspiration, I guess. All right. We'll kick it off, sir. I will kick it off. And the first one is one that you and I harp on all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's you don't need every flavor of every piece of gear to get a good mix.
0: That is true. It is very true. Although both of us kind of come off as, wait a minute, we have all this stuff.
1: (laughs) Right. But the idea here is we are in a fortunate situation that we're privy to a lot of this software and stuff that that we have. But it doesn't mean that you necessarily need it for anything. And that is... That's the biggest thing. And an analogy that I can bring up here is, so, because both of we, you and I use console emulations when we're mixing these days.
0: Yes, making it just like the analog world, but digitally speaking.
1: Right, we both have a few options here that we got. I'm really enjoying the SSL at this point, the 4K or the 4000E. Oh, also have other ones, right, the Rights and Amex and few others. Do I need those for every mix? Well, no, of course not. And the analogy that I wanted to get to would be: let's say yes. Chris Lord Alge as an example. Famously uses the four thousand ESSL, right? I don't think he has ever said, "Hmm, this mix that came across my desk, I think I better use a Neve for this one." You know, so
0: <laughs> no, he so probably idea... has not said that. Although I've right. thought it myself.
1: Right. But the idea here is then, yeah, you can use the gear that you have. Obviously, in his case, he's got a very, very nice room and he's got more gear than a lot of us have (laughs) or can even dream about. But that's over the years of collecting stuff and specialized in things and obviously working in the analog world as well. When we're sitting here and we're talking about different gears and different compressors and what have you, You don't need every flavor. Is it fun to have? Yes. But it's also really easy to fall down the rabbit hole of just collecting stuff because you think you need
0: all this kind of thing. Oh, I know I need it, but that's just me. (laughs)
1: That's a joke. I'm sure you'll agree with that. We're kind of joking about it, but but I think it's a really, really seductive thing that we come across that when we're starting that we're like, oh no, I I gotta have all of this. Mm to be able to do I can't mix a song unless I get an API console emulation. And that's just nonsense.
0: It is. It's It's the same thing also with compressors and EQ emulations. It's not just console emulations that we're talking about. It's pretty much any emulated plug-in piece of gear.
1: Yeah. Or any piece of hardware, for that
0: matter. It's not like you have to run out and hawk your house for a Fairchild in order to have the greatest mix ever made.
1: But that's what the Beatles used, man. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah.
1: No, it, it is... I would say almost we're bringing up like console emulations here, but the other side of that is, you know, like you said, like compressors and and EQs and all this kind of stuff. It's almost more prevalent there because everybody has like an 1176 emulation or an LA-2A emulation and things that you read online is where people are arguing like, well, which one has the best emulation? should I get this one? And then, oh, I have all of them, and I like to use the Waves SSL on drums or whatever. It's really, really nonsense, right? There is no better or worse. Is it working for the job that you want it to do? If it is, that's what you use. There's your answer, exactly. Uh, The
0: same can also be said for microphones as well. You don't need every single microphone ever made. Granted, we have done episodes on how to record vocals and talking about matching a proper mic with a person's voice. Sure. The idea there is that in order to save yourself on needing a lot of EQ and or compression, you want to have a microphone that matches the person's voice. Is that always possible? No. Does it mean that you'll get a terrible mix because of it? Not necessarily. Have a good quality (laughs) mic and you're okay.
1: Yeah. And then when you start building your mic locker, for example, is, it becomes one of need. Say you're a male singer and you'd like to record yourself and you find a mic that works really well for you. But now you're starting to do different singers, perhaps female singers, and you find that that mic might not work as well. That's a different thing where you're sort of building for a need. Right. As we have expressed again in the past, right? if you, all you have is a 57 or a 58, use that to its maximum capacity. And you're probably going to find that once you reach a certain level of the gear, as long as it's working gear, that the cost reward thing is probably not as big as you think. Yes. Right. So just because you spend like 11 grand on a microphone, what you expect for that $11,000 sound might be more than the reality, if you <laughs> right. will. The reality
0: so, is it's, it's the ear, not the gear. Don't worry about yeah.
1: that. Dial in your sound from whatever console emulation, whatever plugins you have, use that, and you'll be fine. What you hear is more important than the manufacturer says on a certain piece of gear. Oh, yeah. So that's the first one. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. What do we got next?
0: A lot of people out there think that pros are withholding some kind of secret magic bullet from all the amateurs as to why their mixes tend to sound so fucking good.
1: But the reality what the is... the pros don't tell you.
0: <laughs> right. What <but> the <laughs> yeah. pros aren't telling you right now. And as you may know from this podcast, we are professional dudes and we try to tell you as much as we can because we don't care. The answer is... It's coming down to the experience of having done thousands upon thousands of hours working with mixes and recording tracks and as such. It is not any secret magic bullet like this piece of gear is the reason why. It's not that.
1: Yeah, and then we go back to point number one, right? If you only (laughs) have this emulation, everything would be great. The unfortunate part, depending on what side of fence you're on, is like, the market for gear will play on all of these insecurities that you have as an artist. It's like, well, our thing is much better and it does this better than all the other garbage that came out before our version of this compressor or whatever, right? Again, like you said, it's the experience and the ear of doing things that really matters. And, Another piece of gear to a pro might be just an extra little tool that comes out at some other point where it's like you have these esoteric situations that might come up where that might benefit you. Overall, there's no one secret that people are withholding.
0: Generally speaking, if somebody tells you they have a secret, more often than not, they're trying to sell you something in regards to that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's one of those things that a bummer to hear because you would, oh, I, I just want that, that secret knowledge and I'll be bumped up a few levels in my mixing game, right? Uh-huh. Bumping up that level is just practice, 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 listen, 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 learn, learn, learn. Tweak, you know? tweak, tweak. There's tweak. no magic. Med- yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. All right, what's next? The next one, here's another big one, and this one would probably ruffle a few feathers, I think, mm. is that analog gear is always better (laughs) (laughs) right what are your thoughts i mean you have some outboard gear when you're recording what's your thought on on that mindset it's
0: limiting it's extremely limiting it's terrible is a good way of putting it as i was just having a discussion about the concept of using digital amps for recording yeah there is no reason not to really analog is better is essentially farcical to me at this point. It's just not true. It's not true. Having great gear, having analog gear does not mean that it is instantly better.
1: No, two things there I want to bring up on that point. The first thing is that when analog emulations came out in the software world, people may have had a point where it's like, yeah, that doesn't quite sound like a Neve or whatever happened to be. But the second part of that is it's also how your, your knowledge to use that gear. Just because you're running something through an analog signal path, if you don't know how to properly work that EQ or the compressor, that's not gonna save- Yeah, it
0: you. doesn't matter if it's digital or not. If you don't know how to use it, it doesn't matter. And that harks all the way back right. to episode one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, 177 episodes ago, right? it is that in just because it's an analog physical box it doesn't mean that it's better it could be compared to something else that you might have just because it's analog doesn't necessarily mean it's better certainly not today with all the technology that's gone into emulating gear and just a huge thing here as well as i like we, you know we mentioned Another name drop here, like Chris and you see behind him in his room, he has these racks of compressors and 1176s and he has his favorites and things. Well, that's also from his workflow before going digital, digital. and yeah. incorporating all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, if you're tracking all of this and you're tracking and mixing with all this gear that you want, you needed all those multiple units, right? Yep. Now with a single plugin, You can use that on every track in your session. Doesn't matter how many tracks that you have, right? As opposed to being limited to like one unit of a hardware box.
0: Speaking of things that may or may not be limiting, let's move on to a word from our sponsors.
1: And we're back. What's up next, Chris? Well, the next one is when it comes to monitoring. This is something that I've heard a lot as well. It's basically when somebody says, if, if I can make it sound good on these crappy speakers that I have, it'll sound great anywhere else. Mm-hmm.
0: That is not an unknown quantity. I think just about everybody's heard that one.
1: <laughs> right, it's one, it would be great if it was true, but it isn't, it, and we would like to tell ourselves, well, I have these crappy speakers, and if I can make him sound good here, it'll translate anywhere. It's simply not true. It just means that you can make a good mix on those crappy speakers. Right. And translation is still a problem. Yes. So that's where proper monitoring, whether you've got decent speakers, the right size speakers in the room that you have, hopefully room treatment, right, uh-huh. which is arguably more important, I would say. Or if you're doing something like I'm doing these days, I'm, I'm using the uh, VSX right. from Slate, like with that system, which I'm really, really loving at the moment, to be honest. But you still have so, to learn
0: every one of those rooms that you're listening in.
1: Yeah, that is a big, uh, I almost said eye opener, but ear opener, <laughs> I guess would be more appropriate.
0: <laughs> your ear hole opener.
1: Right, because it, it really allows you to hear things that are there, that are happening in your mix that you might not hear in the room that you're sitting in. Here's a good
0: example of this.
1: I'm going to put
0: a real world example. We both know a really amazing bass player by the name of Jesse Stern. Yep. And Jesse had his own home studio for a while. I had just gotten back the master of a song that I had written and mixed called Hero Unexpected. And Jesse, being the bass player that he is, he wanted to hear this mix in his studio while I was there. We threw it up on the speakers in his room Mm -hmm. and proceeded to listen. And there were a couple of spots in the song where all of a sudden there's just a ridiculous amount of bass just harboring in the room, making me go, what the fuck happened with the mastering? (laughs) Now, mind you, the mastering person has won multiple Grammys for mastering. So he doesn't suck at what he does. (laughs)
1: He knows what he's doing.
0: He knows what he's doing. So I'm suddenly freaking out going, did he fuck this up? Did he fuck this up? How could this be fucked up? I got on the phone. He was more than gracious enough to do it again. However, I figured out the fact that Jesse's room actually had the problem. He had not properly treated it. And that's Mm -hmm. where certain bass sounds or bass notes... Came into play, creating nodes in the situation that created too much bass in certain parts of the
1: song. Yeah, you've told me that story. That, but that's the. It's interesting though that that's the first thing that we go to. Oh, the the mastering guy messed up, right? <laughs> right, but it wasn't the mastering guy. <laughs> no, it wasn't even course. the
0: mix. It wasn't the song. It was the room. The room right. fucked
1: it up. On the flip side of that, had you mixed in that room, I would have had
0: that problem as an empty spot everywhere else
1: exactly because it would have the room would have sort of overcompensated for that yes so going back to the vsx and i want to tie this into point number one here with all the gear and this is something that i see and it's a very very similar mindset you can get additional rooms for this system so you're essentially listening in different virtual studios just Mm -hmm. to lay that out there if somebody's not familiar with the concept right and in each room you have generally three sets of monitors just like you would in like somebody's big room you'll have a near field you have a midfield and then the full spectrum so to speak and i hear people talking about this in the very same way as they're talking about gear which room should i get next what should i do for this and where should i check this now yes this tool is to have your mixes translate so certain rooms might reveal things that you're not hearing in one emulation however the majority of these rooms are full-blown production studios that are in business Mm -hmm. right if you're going to nrg studios and you're doing your mix there you're probably not thinking hmm, I wonder what this would sound like in Stephen Slate's studio. (laughs) So, So not now, this is just a button away now, right? So you can listen to what it would sound there. And I'm not saying that that doesn't have its rewards. People are now collecting these virtual environments that they're mixing in as opposed to getting really comfortable with like one or maybe even two. Right. to kind of do that thing. So I, I think it's interesting, just the mindset of, of always wanting more, 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 more better. It's not my mixing. It's the gear, it's the environment, whatever it is.
0: It almost leads right into the next concept of the myth busting that we're doing here. And that is the advice of just use your ear. Yeah. And that's terrible, terrible advice in my mind. And I'm assuming it is in your mind as well.
1: It is because it sounds like good advice on the surface. Yes, it right? does. I just use your ear. It'll be fine. Yeah, but if your ear isn't trained enough to know what to listen for, what good does that do me? Right. right? Right? Somebody that might be tuned into hearing something, oh, you know what? You got sounds like you got some clashing frequencies around the 100 range or whatever. Yes. Right? Or there's a there's a resonant frequency at like 4k. Mhm. If you're not attuned to that, just using your ear is not gonna fix that. No. So uh, I think again, it's that thinking that it's a magic bullet. It right. It's not no. a oh, magic you can bullet. Do right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, if it is if it sounds good, it is good. Again, if you're not listening for or haven't yet trained your ears for to listen for all of these things, how are you gonna know? It's not out of ignorance, it's just practice. Yep. Right. So What's we have another one here. here? that can, yeah. Well, that kind of ties into that one, I think, as well. That's the quote. Oh, there are no rules. That's
0: another one. And to an extent, here's the reality of that. You have to know the rules in order to break them and throw them away. Right. That's what I'll say in terms of that.
1: Yeah, and it, it is true. There are no rules. You can do whatever it is that you want, and nobody is going to die. I mentioned both... Tom and Chris Lord Algae a lot on this podcast because I I like the mixes that they produce. Right? Uh-huh. And if you've ever seen them work, not necessarily in person, but on YouTube or whatever, you will notice that they are not shy with the processing that they're doing. To get the sound that they hear in their heads through their experience, they could crank an EQ, or they can squash something in hell, but it gets the sound that they want. Right. There are no rules in that sense. Again, they're like, oh, there are no rules. You can do whatever you do.
0: The reality is there's certain things that you get into a groove of doing that you're going to start doing again and again and again and again ad infinitum on internal loop. That is coming from experience and feedback. Yeah. And other things that you get from other members of the audio world, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And there are things that are recurring. So while we say that there are no rules, it still might not be a rule, but it's probably a good idea to low cut instruments that are having nothing of value in that range. Sure. Right. It's not like a hard set rules. You have to do that. But there are things that kind of come along with that where it's like, yeah, I do this again and again. Do you have to? No, but might be a good idea. Yeah. So it, it, again, it's that the experience thing there, knowing what to listen for that make that to, to sort of replicate results again and again.
0: And there is all the myths going to do in this particular episode as
1: the experts that you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll go along with that, I guess. Yeah. But these are things that I wish somebody would have told me when I started out. Sure. Right? And it's, it's all that kind of nonsense that we can buy into. Yeah. Going back to, again, episode number one, right? Knowing your gear and how to get the results that you want in every mix and moving forward. Learning your gear and knowing why you do certain things doesn't mean that you don't have room to grow. But these points that were brought up here anyway, I think, are just like myths that and need to be perpetuate ignored through the industry and yeah they should be ignored and everybody would probably be happier for it all right
0: and with that let's move on to our friday finds chris kick it off for us
1: all heaviosity all the time i'm a big fan (laughs) in other words Uh, you
0: need every piece of gear that they ever put out
1: (laughs) yes but that has nothing to do with my mix it's just that i want it because i like their (laughs) stuff They have a series called Foundations, which I have mentioned previously on this podcast and my Friday finds. And they have a new one this week. It's staccato brass. Mm, Sounds like fun. It is fun. And it's another, it's a contact instrument. But this one also is free. If you fancy yourself getting some staccato brass from the wonderful people that are Heaviosity, grab that one. I know I will. Foundations staccato brass from Heaviosity for me. What have you discovered?
0: I'm looking at a website known as Chordify. That is C-H-O-R-D-I-F-Y dot com. And if you are a guitar player, ukulele player, piano player, or a mandolin player, these fine folks claim to have every chord for every song, or at least for up to 36 million plus songs. That's a lot of songs. Thus, if you, a lot of Yeah, songs. it is a lot of yeah. songs. If you want to learn the chords to certain songs, chances are Chordify has it. And in addition to that, with the way apparently it works, it plays along with the lyrics and shows you the chords in succession, which seems like kind of fun in that regard. Sure. And that's My Friday Find.
1: Cool. You have one more point that you wanted to make as we're talking about gear and the value of how much diminishing returns or whatever. Because you are sounding a little bit different this one because you're out of your normal environment. So tell us why. Currently, as the recording of this particular episode
0: of the podcast, I am out in the middle of nowhere, as we mentioned at the very top of this podcast. If I sound a tiny bit different from how I would normally sound, it is because there's roughly $13,000 worth of difference in the equipment that I am using to record my voice today.
1: So, in <laughs> other words, did you hear that Jody sounded different today? And cuz if
0: you didn't, you don't need that 13 grand. But if you did, more power to you and you need that 13 grand of difference. There you go. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list to be eligible for any future giveaways, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this incredible podcast send us an email at gold star g-o-l-d-s-t-a-r at inside the recording with the phrase Mythbusters, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox if you have a topic or a suggestion for chris and i to explain in a future episode contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode with that i'll say see you
1: next week thanks for listening people have a good one jody